Wicked Grounds. Recorded live at Wicked Grounds Cafe, San Francisco. Welcome to the Wicked Grounds Podcast. This is your host, Psycho Kitty Ryan, joining you once again for another special episode. Uh, We're on location this time instead of in the coffee shop because there's a little bit of a a superstorm going on. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But also with me is my (laughs) co-host. This is Rue. Nice to talk to you again. (laughs) <laughs> and joining us today at a nice comfy couch in the, the secret bunker downtown San Francisco is none other than Polly Superstar. Hi! <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Um, I've known you for a while from coming to your parties and, and all the fun things that you do for San Francisco folk. And, the, us, and um, I actually had a great analogy that I came up with. Are you, you're familiar with Fraggle Rock? I am familiar with Fraggle Rock. San Francisco, I mean, Fraggle Rock is a great analogy for San Francisco. Uh Uh-huh. You've got the doozers. Right. Your tech bros at the moment. You've got us Fraggles. Fraggles, do all the crazy things. (laughs) And you have, like, the really big people that keep us between, they get between us and the great trash heap, which are, like, you know, your old money people. Does that work? (laughs) Yeah. Well, it just works for me that, that, that you're a Fraggle. (laughs) <laughs> Actually, after listen, listening to myself a few times on this, it's like I do have a Muppet voice. Yeah, I definitely. It's it's a common analogy that I have with my friends is that we call each other Muppets. You know, mm-hmm. when people are being particularly ridiculous and kind of well Muppety. <laughs> I was. Really, it's like it just when those dawned on me in the showers because you know we have our world and then there's the outside world where the only people that know about it are Uncle Traveling Max. Right. Well, I mean, that's changing every day. Um, the culture in San Francisco is becoming more and more uh, mainstream and going out to the world. A party like Kinky Salon, the party I yes. throw, I never thought would be able to survive in other towns. Um, but how, it uh, flourishes. So, um, I was getting out, I got all excited about my analogy, but <laughs> uh, for people who are not familiar with Poly Superstar, blow yourself up. What do you do? Blow myself up. <laughs> that sounds fun. <laughs> well, I'm uh, an author, a spokesperson for sex culture, and an event producer. I have been uh, producing events in San Francisco for about 13 years. The kind of flagship event of what I do is called Kinky Salon, and it's a sex culture party, meaning that people are allowed to have sex there, um, but sex isn't the focus of the event, and um, there's a lot of creativity and inclusivity and um, collaboration and community spiritedness. These are the things that make Kinky Salon different from your average swingery sex club. Um, Not just the and there are, yeah, well, yeah, there's, there's crazy costumes, like we might have Muppet-themed parties. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not a bad idea, actually. Yeah. We haven't done that. That isn't. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm definitely going to that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I recently wrote a book about all of my experiences throwing Kinky Salon, and I'm also um, one of the co-founders of uh, Space Mission Control, which was recently evicted. Uh, sadly, uh, uh, you know, one of the sad stories of san francisco gentrification um we we lost our space right on uh on mission street and we're currently between homes but as an organization mission control still exists throwing many different uh glorious diverse parties of which kinky salon is one um 
And the book that I wrote is called Poly Sex Culture Revolutionary. And it's a memoir about my life and not just the sexy stories of San Francisco and all of the awesome fun times that have been had, but also the story of my struggles and the story of my past and my history and where I come from and how I ended up. Uh, you know, leaving the country of my origin, which is obviously England. I don't know if you can tell that by my outrageous English accent. I was thinking like, you know, Australia or <laughs> New York, Israel. <laughs> Sometimes when people ask me where I'm from, I like to say Texas. Oh, boy. Uh, and they go, really? And I go, no, don't be silly. I'm from England. Now, but, you're uh, <laughs> Southern England? Yeah, yeah. You can tell I'm from the south. My accent is posh. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to tell at all. Well, I had, I've had a well, little bit of Well, my father training. was from up north, and that's how they talk up north. So you'd totally be able to tell that I was from somewhere else. That's oh. a Lancashire accent. <laughs> can you tell the difference? I can definitely tell the difference now. <laughs> yeah, I've had a little bit of uh, personal training with English accents. Yeah, well, it's 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 very different uh, from here because the accents change in very short distances. So you can have mm. people have very different accents that actually live relatively close to each other. Whereas here, everybody kind of sounds the same for hundreds and hundreds mm. of miles. In England, we're always navigating people with different accents and being able to tell where people are from just by the way they talk. Well, you still um, you out, can, out you in the tell, west, yeah. is a, it's it's a little bit different in the west coast than it is the east coast and Midwest. Definitely. I mean, I was uh, ta- we were talking earlier. You know, I went to school in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And and Sheboygan has its own dialect, and that's only you know a uh, couple hundred miles from Chicago. And Chicago has some of its. I mean, you could tell somebody who's like Southern Chicago, Bridgetown, yeah. talking about the boys and stuff like that. There's there's certain inflections right. that you just yeah you, you, you can't miss. But you have to go <laughs> thousands of miles for there to be a difference. Well, mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying. In the West Coast, yes, because mm-hmm. there's like you've got like you know on the water, there's lots of people, but there's a lot of space to get around. But like you know. Going from Sheboygan to Bridgetown to Indiana. I mean, (laughs) where is Sheboygan? (laughs) It's uh, a three-hour drive north of Chicago, Uh, just past Milwaukee. uh, There you go. I know. I mean, I lived in Hawaii for a really long time, and I could definitely tell the difference between people who've lived in Hawaii or on those islands for a really long time compared to like when I moved to North Carolina right after I lived in Hawaii. That was completely different ways of speaking but i guess what i'm saying is that like you know from boston to new york there's a big shift and so like yeah that's true actually on the the west coast i think we've got a lot more land and you know less vocal divide well i was in la the other day i had a great book party down in la and um i was on the susan block show and i noticed that people people in la do talk differently from uh, san francisco they mm-hmm. sound more like they're on a tv show like hi <laughs> e- like all the servers in the restaurants hi i'm mike uh, how can i how can i help you they're how, probably make trying your... to be on a tv yeah, it's, show it's really <laughs> it's really hilarious i was yeah. like la is the funniest town ever but it looks like we'll be starting a kinky salon there which is pretty exciting how many kinky i mean like what is your world coverage for kinky salon my world coverage <laughs> <laughs> Um, trying to take over the world there one are, sex party at a time. Yeah, yeah, I am pretty much actually. Um I wouldn't say take over, I'd say liberate. <laughs> but um <laughs> uh there are currently nine kinky salons happening in different cities. Um in Europe we have London, Berlin and Copenhagen, which is nice. Um and then the rest of them are are in America, mm-hmm. all the way across, up and down and across. Mm. Um, LA is coming soon. Um, the we've, heart. 
Got a couple of uh, Sac- Sacramento <laughs> Ooh, actually is fun. coming soon. Sacramento will be fun because it's so close. So a lot of Bay Area people will probably go out there for yeah. it. Um, and I like to affectionately call that kinky sack. <laughs> I used to live right there in Lavender Heights. Which is downtown, not downtown, but K Street, Sacramento. Yeah, well, there's a whole posse of perverts in Sacramento that currently yep. drive all the way to um, San Francisco to come to events. I see a few of them for coffee every now and then at the cafe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Yeah, stop in for a milkshake before going out. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they're, they're happening everywhere, but it's different. It's not like a franchise. Just, yeah. just to be clear, that Kingy Salon is more like a network of events a movement. creating a shared experience. Mm. Um, and so they're replicating the experience of Kinky Salon using a manual that I created. Um, but, the, but, the, but I don't micromanage them and I don't earn money from them. They right. are my gift to the world. So um, it's a terrible business model. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but the communities themselves are really thriving and each one is really different. Like each kinky salon kind of has the flavor of the city that it's part of. And, um, oh, exciting news. Uh, in ap- end of March, beginning of April, there's going to be a European tour. Ooh. So we're organizing three kinky salons over three weekends um, in three countries in Europe. So it's going to be on the 21st of March, it's in London. Then on the 28th of March, it's in Copenhagen. And then on April 4th, it's in Berlin. Nice. And there's a posse of us going. And everyone, everyone who's listening, everyone out there, you are all invited to join us on this adventure. The more, the merrier. We're going ha- to be staying with people, we'll, with local perverts. It's going to be like a pervert kind of, you know, traveling exchange, couch surfing experience. And um, so it'll be super cheap to 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 go and it's going to be so much fun i mean three kinky salons in three weeks sounds exhausting and when is that and fun at the end of march through to the first weekend Mm. of of april why you want to come i was thinking i was like (laughs) well if i wasn't about to give birth in april i would totally be there Yeah, that but. might. I could see where you'd be a little tired after that. Oh yeah. yeah, I mean, if it was in the summer to like September, I'd be like, yes, we could well, grab the podcast. Obviously, this first one, the, yeah. this first one will have to go well, so they have to repeat it. <laughs> yeah, and they'll also be um, coming up soon. There'll be a tour in America too. We've been, I've been kind of popping around and visiting those events. Um, like on their own but the idea of a tour is totally doable um and would be a lot of fun we might even rent a bus can you imagine we should make a documentary of that man that would be the craziest hearts would be broken love will be found it's going to be like the most epic road trip ever the kinky salon road trip going to be like the sequel to almost famous but kinky (laughs) almost kinky yes (laughs) almost kinky exactly (laughs) (laughs) oh man i i have always so with with you know five years of running the cafe i've had you know crazy ideas and one of the things i've always wanted to do is like get a uh, a food truck set up mm-hmm. where we roll into some place pop up this big wall that then pops down to st andrew's cross and sets up the whole wicket grounds suspension points sell coffee and bring bring kink to that's great to festivals and stuff to festivals you should totally do that to um conservative midwest city towns that Ooh. wouldn't know what to do with us you know i, I just like you know 
bring out. So yeah, well, yeah. when the roadshow happens, maybe we can combine forces. I'm yeah. also talking to Dixie from mm-hmm. Bawdy oh. Storytelling. Just went last night. And the idea of like all of the people from San Francisco sex culture joining forces together to create a giant sex culture roadshow. <laughs> wow, what a beautiful mm-hmm. thing that, that would, would be. be great. Actually, it's the last time I saw you, too, was uh, at uh, Body Storytelling. Ah, right, yes. Yes, where we both told stories. We did, that's correct, and you were wearing a onesie. Yes. Oh, really? Yes. I, this, so, uh, one of the things that happens at Dark Odyssey Surrender is the Little Miss, Little Mr., or the International Little Miss, Little Mr. pageant, pageant which yeah. is about age, you know, age play pageant. And one of the audience raffles was a TARDIS Doctor Who onesie. Oh, that onesie. That is... Mm, that I did not... Yes. Somebody else won. But so he wrestled them. I, I, oh, I, no, <laughs> I, I pouted them into it. Cause I won... Which the, he has a power for that, a superpower. I, I, I won a book. They actually didn't want the onesie and didn't fit them, so I like pouted my way into that onesie. Well, it, well, it looked fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, that was fun. Um, yeah, I love what Dixie does. Yeah. Body storytelling is so important. It's such a great venue for people to... Just, um, you know, tell their stories on stage in front of other people. I mean, how powerful is that? We never get to hear each other's sex stories. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so popular, I think, because yeah. so many people really need that outlet, not it, only it, to, to tell the story, but also to hear p- people's stories and be like, it, oh, wow. Because exactly. it really tells you it's okay to be sexy. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've, we live in a very Puritan country, you know, a lot of Puritan bases. The fact that, you know, it's a struggle constantly to... You know, we live in our little bubble of San Francisco, but, you know, I realize very much it is a privilege to live here mm-hmm. and to live in that bubble. But there's so much sexual repression in this country. Oh, yeah. I mean, to, I, I'm not really freaked out about moving to Ohio, but it's just sort of um, I know that I'm definitely going to have to kick the door down. Yeah. And be like, I'm here now. I mean, and things are going to change. <laughs> I, I definitely believe, you know, the Wicked Grounds Cafe and Kinky Salon a lot and Body are very strong political statements that are saying it's okay to be sexy. It is, you do not need to put your sex in a closet. Mm -hmm. Um, So getting, you know, getting more body out, getting more kinky slime, getting, you know, all these things that, that, you know, like the, my copy of the book you said, you know, to fellow sex revolutionary mint does mean a lot (laughs) because I definitely see it as, you know, the cafe is not just a business. It is, it oh no! Place. Clearly, it, clearly, it is, it's a community. It is a community, and it is more. I, I've realized long ago that it's more important than me, which is one of the things that has kept me keeping it going. Which I can understand. I can, I'm sure you can appreciate that drive. I certainly can. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't do what I do without the teams of incredible volunteers that dedicate so much time and energy into making kinky salons happen and mission control events too. I mean, it's all a labor of love and. Um, it's uh, it's a beautiful thing, I think, yeah. mm-hmm. to to see uh, sexuality being accepted as part of community and being like, yeah, I'm not s- scared or ashamed to show my kink and my fun, sexy times in front of my friends. It's not weird. It's not yeah. like sleazy or creepy mm-hmm. or weird. It's just like really natural and healthy and fun and normal. And like what a huge, like it's like a breath of fresh air. It's like a relief. 
Like, mm-hmm. oh, thank God we can do this. Like, I remember when I first arrived in San Francisco and I had come from the London fetish scene where I had been, you know, I had been active in the fetish scene in London since I was 16 mm-hmm. years old. So I started really young out there. Um, and the, the stuff that I had seen, I mean, every, I had been to every club and checked out, you know, most of the scene there. And it was definitely still, even though I, I loved some of that sleaziness that it had to it, mm-hmm. it was definitely had a sleazy vibe still. Yeah. And um, when I moved to San Francisco, you know, my first experience of a sex club here was, you know, the power exchange. You know, it doesn't get much sleazier than oh, that. They, they revel in their God sleaziness. bless them. There, exactly. is, there are some people who don't like Kinky Salon because they're like... You know what? I come to Kinky Salon and I have sex and nobody watches me. I mean, what's the point in that? I want to, I want to, where's my circle jerk? Like, seriously, I'm doing this to be watched. Why isn't there a p- bunch of people appreciating how hot I am? And I'm like, have you tried the power exchange? Because there are people who love <laughs> having that, that having is, that yeah. experience. The power exchange excels yeah. at doing that, providing that space. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, uh, Mir, one of the co-owners of the cafe, and I just did a, a fill-in for a newbies munch, and we're talking about you know what are San Francisco resources, and we mm-hmm. talk about Mission Control, we talk about the SF Citadel, and we talk about the Power Exchange, and we you know lay it all out. This is this is what you expect if you go to these places, and you know like for the Power Exchange, God, they they are they are fantastic at what they do, and if that's yeah. what you want, then you know that's the perfect place. Mm-hmm. I would like to backtrack a little bit towards um, the subject of we were talking about how there's different accents all over the country and how all over the country people's kinks are definitely fluctuated as well. I mean, there's a lot of things in on the East Coast that are very common kinks that um, but the stuff like age play and are would be like unheard of in other states. Well, it's like one one neat thing I know about uh, (laughs) for Boston, the Massachusetts area, uh, a lot of the BDSM gear is illegal. Yeah. So that's why they are so big rope junkies mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. because they can, you know, rope is rope is rope. Yeah. Right. You can't make rope illegal. But I think what I wanted to touch on, which is something that sort of raises a red flag with me, is the recent ban in the UK mm. on like certain sex acts for well, like for, for pornography. Porn. Yeah. 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 Sure, do you have an opinion on that? I mean, I can list them if you want. Yeah, no, I, I, I was, I, I saw the article the other day, yeah. um, and you, the whole thing is that it's supposed to be stuff that's like dangerous, but it includes like female ejaculation, ejaculation exactly. which is like not dangerous. People could drown with that. And exactly, that's what I'm saying. You could be blinded. Like. Ah! <laughs> you got me in the eye. Yeah. Um. But. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's I think there's a constant, uh, you know, give and take mm-hmm. with um, you know, progressive attitudes towards sexuality yep. and scared people who are constantly trying to create laws around mm-hmm. controlling people's sexuality yeah. and it's a constant um, dance that we have. Yeah. And there are some people who believe that it's cyclical and that yeah. we're going back into some sort of dark ages of sexuality. Mm-hmm. But like, it's, I, I mean, I would say it's cyclical, but it's more like a wheel. Like the mm-hmm. wheel is always, always moving forward. And even though sometimes it might be in the dirt down at the bottom and you're like feeling like it's never going to. Um, you can't see the light for the dirt. Yeah, exactly. Some the, the wheel turns and the wheel moves forward. We're never going back. We're always moving forward in time. And, um, you know, the changes that have happened in the last 50 years are pretty unprecedented. Yeah. I mean, since 
since the age of reason, mm -hmm. basically. The understanding about human sexuality and understanding um, about relationships mm -hmm. and the, the kind of liberal attitudes that have evolved. Um, I'll call them actually progressive attitudes that have evolved yeah. over the last 50 years since the dawn of the sexual revolution. Um, are like it's completely transformed culture mm -hmm. i mean my mother was a sex therapist in the 70s mm. and she told me the other day um she was actually here for my book party it was pretty awesome she Aww. spoke on Aww. stage during my <laughs> book party i know it was great and she told me the other day that um in the 70s when she first started being a therapist a relationship therapist mm -hmm. they weren't allowed to talk about sex Right. So when you're having relationship problems, you're going to talk about things like, oh, I really hate the way he squeezes the middle of the toothpaste tube and like all this stuff that's mm -hmm. just like the frustrations Trivial. and the yeah, that the, the are symptoms of the fr of frustration of, mm -hmm. of not having your sexual needs met. And, you know, so many of people's issues when it comes to relationships uh, are, you know, sexual differences that need to be figured out and communicated about. And um, and they you never they yeah, never were. You weren't allowed to. The rug. Yeah. You weren't even allowed. Even a relationship therapist wasn't allowed to talk about sex. And so my mom was one of the people in the 70s who really transformed the way people talk about sex. Mm -hmm. And um, she put in a lot of programs in, in England um, that are still operating to this day. You know, they're still they still feel modern. Mm -hmm. And um, so I don't think there's any like like I don't think you can underestimate just how different it was in the 70s when mm. all of this stuff was happening and the change was really beginning to happen. Like the stuff that we pretty much take for granted now um, was radical and crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Like Oprah and Dr. Phil talk about it's okay for people to have sex lives, mm -hmm. even unmarried people to have sex lives, to have healthy sex. In fact, healthy sex is a good thing. Like most people agree that yeah. now. Whereas 50 years ago, it would that be was hugely yeah. controversial. Yeah. Now it's only really ex very extreme kind of fundamentalists mm -hmm. who, who stick with the opinion that sex is evil, bad, wrong and just for procreation yeah, yeah just yeah. for procreation and kind of the downfall of society mm -hmm. which is really what it was seen as yeah. um so i we can't go back we're moving forward things are changing it's it'll be interesting to see where things go in the next 50 years um, for sure well it's like uh, <laughs> i was having a discussion with a friend of mine who's considerably younger than me and they were saying how you know they had uh anti-homophobia signs in their high school even though those were just, she felt like they were just lip service. And I'm just thinking, like, in my high school, back, you know, I, I graduated in 89, and there's no way that subject is even brought up. Oh, not wow. Not to mention the fact that I went to an all-male Catholic high school. So, of course, oh, well, they that would not... Oh, that changes things. <laughs> that, that explains a few things. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> do you remember the night I did the uh, preteen porn star show at Kinky Salon for uh, yeah. Val and Devon's? thing where i was the acid priest what what <laughs> i was basically <laughs> prophetizing on stage as part of uh val and devon's show that was the best like do you remember like <laughs> i just want to quote that that was amazing <laughs> I, we um, have to grab that quote and someone tweet that please that was amazing <laughs> right <laughs> so it's like yeah, i'm on stage at kinky salon being like evangelist style preacher but instead of i'm talking about acid taking acid 
Um, <laughs> so it's like that's a, you know where I got my preacher roles. Like I went to a Catholic high school. I know these things. Um, <laughs> but it's like you know, but it was not a subject in my high school. You know, like you didn't. As a matter of fact, I think one that's of that's unheard of to me. Actually. One of the just... one of my te- one of the English teachers who was rather popular got fired for suspicions of homosexuality. What? And this was like you know eighty eight. This is, you know, little, not that too long ago. Well, people can still be fired for being gay. Yeah. People oh, yeah. can still be fired no. for being kinky. Mm-hmm. Which I, I think <laughs> everyone here, I'm sure, agrees that that is a horrent and, and wrong part of society. And one of the reasons why, you know, I've started, uh, started Wicked Grounds is to have that space to say, look, it's okay. It doesn't need to be shunned to, or norm- to normalize yeah. it yeah, yeah because the main reason that people are against these things is because they're scared because it's yeah. the unknown they just don't know what it is and they're they just can't identify with it they don't they don't have a personal connection to it they just see this big scary thing right i mean i'm super lucky because i guess i when i was in high school uh graduation like 2006 you know so it's it's pretty recent but when i was in high school i mean i had a gay straight alliance that was like out and had t-shirts that we flaunted mm. on you know and and then like i said this year my mother was at Folsom street fair while i was there you know so, like it's just one of those things that things have definitely changed like so much within the so past in our, in our last podcast i was talking mentioned when we had peaches christ that i did drag in chicago yeah. for a while um so my mother worked at a conservative university in the administration department and my mother's gay and my mother would was not out with being gay at work because she could lose her job. Mm-hmm. But she still was very supportive of gay rights on campus and tried to promote that. And so she had a picture of me in full drag, and I was my mother's beard. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm looking here right now. Someone just sent in something that said, um, in the 70s, a Northern Ireland policewoman could be fired for getting pregnant. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I mean, things are definitely changing. Yeah. But oh. I mean, I know in the military, things are still super stern. I know that if I were even caught at a kinky event while I was in the military, I could be discharged mm-hmm. for that, for just being kinky. Luckily, Don't Ask, Don't Tell was lifted. But right. as far as being kinky, that is still a well, it's, it's very issue. edgy for people being kinky, being polyamorous, yep. like all of these things. I mean, when I got my citizenship mm-hmm. um Uh, a few years ago one of the boxes that i had to check was um about um you know it was like are you now or have you ever been a member of the communist party um and do you support uh polygamy Mm -hmm. and i was like wow this is such it's so ingrained into the culture here this fear of multiple relationships specifically polygamy which is kind of interesting that they that they that they singled out that particular form but um yeah i was like wow it's so ingrained that it's something i actually have to check a box Mm -hmm. like what in order to become a citizen officially gone on record as saying right exactly um so yeah fascinating uh Little little insight into American culture there. I think, mm. well, like I said, we were we're based on Puritan ideals. I mean, it's so different, though. I mean, I I sit here and I take it for granted, like living in San Francisco for more than a year and having had this cushion of sexual freedom and you know expression. 
you know, thinking that it's going to be just the same in Ohio and it's going to be totally <laughs> different. We, totally we do. Different. We do live in a bubble here. You know, yeah. I was doing I, I'm Starting actually a uh, got a, <laughs> got an AMA going on on Reddit right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the questions that somebody asked was, uh, you know, what's the legal status of your events? And, you know, there's nothing illegal about people having group sex. Um, adults are allowed to have group sex in America. Um, but I was like, he asked the question, so I was doing a little bit of research and discovered that there is actually like in Phoenix, Arizona, there is actually a law against sex business. So you're not actually allowed, like sex clubs are illegal in yeah. in Arizona. I didn't know that. Mm. Um, fascinating kind of uh to look into and and also the the stuff that this there's limitations to it in california like you have to be a certain distance away Mm -hmm. from churches or schools and you know you can't be like in a residential neighborhood like there's reasonable this is citadel had some problems with that a couple years ago yeah when they they moved from mission street to six yeah and it's like the real estate agent put them too close to residences Mm mm-hmm yeah, yeah, it's true. Hmm. So there are limitations to that, but just like there would be for like a strip club or or something right. like that, like it just can't be too close to residential. Hmm. Um, so I and I and I get, and I kind of get that, like it's city planning. It's yeah. like you you know understanding that you know wanting to protect people's families and homes from you know non consensually being you know faced with perverts walking down their street every day like i in a way i i kind of get that especially with the climate that we're at right now in culture um but the phoenix arizona one where it's actually not allowed is mm. i mean because i know that there have been other sex clubs that have been shut down because they're like prostitution rings where oh, you wow. go to the sex club and there's like okay here's the sex club and now here's the girl that you're going to pay for which is you know obviously illegal mm-hmm. um and then um, there were also ones that were closed down for having like unlicensed strippers. So apparently strippers need licenses in some states. And so having like dancers at the sex club. I mean, I would understand that if you were going to give the, your dancers like health care and stuff. <laughs> but if you're not going to be <laughs> taking care of people, why should they be licensed? Yeah, it's that's really a whole, weird. That's a whole other yeah. topic of like <laughs> the problems. <laughs> With the sex worker kind yeah, of thing. I mean, yeah. If you want to. Sex worker <laughs> abuse industry. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about some fun stuff, though. This is. Okay, very sorry. Serious. We always get there. We always yeah. like peak in intensity and then it's like, oh, bubbles okay. and rainbows. Yeah, tell us some fun kinky salon stories. Okay. <laughs> well, we've got, uh, we've got a kinky salon coming up on uh, December 20th. That is our annual Christmas party. Um, it's actually the Festivus this year, and mm-hmm. we will be having the airing of grievances. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure how that's going to work, but that should be pretty fun. And of course, you know, the candy cane lick off, you know, all those oh. f- festive Christmas traditions um, <laughs> that we love. The, I remember one of the kinky salon uh, parties, that, Christmas parties I went to in the past was right when the cafe closed. Mm-hmm. And I got brought up on stage. Oh, yeah, we force fed you fudge. Force fed me fudge, which was fine. I was like, I was having like. Cook, cookies and all this stuff being just did i deep throat you with a with a candy cane it's quite possible and i was wearing half of it on the the, the sweater but what really got me when i had to say red and stop is when i got whiskey up my nose oh, oh. no sorry um <laughs> that yeah wasn't you. There that was somebody else i was helping that was um you know kind of a little bit of a tradition where it from the from the grinch you know from the um 
Dr. Seuss story of the Grinch where the most uh, unhappy person is forced to like sit in the chair of cheer and like they're force fed. Were you a grumpy pan? He was. He I, was. I was really miserable. Yeah, the, he, for December 2011 because. Um, I was going through a separation slash divorce, a bankruptcy, and the cafe closed. You didn't get one of those sweaters with the bells on it. <laughs> it had yeah, bells yeah, on yeah. It, it did have bells on it. So we forced him to wear a hideous sweater and then force fed him fudge and apparently whiskey as well. And I don't drink. So and eggnog. Was... And we were like pouring eggnog on his face. I was a mess afterwards. Oh, it, it was, except for the burning, it was all fine. I will totally sit in that chair of cheer, <laughs> even though I'm super cheery. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to be force fed things. But... It, <laughs> But besides the the nose burning whiskey, it was actually one of those great moments of you know the community coming up and saying, "Oh, it's all right." It's okay. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I, I make fun of the whiskey, but I am very glad that that you all came, you know that slice of the community came around and just like basically gave me a forced hug. I want to know more Yay. about this candy cane lick off. Oh, uh, well, basically... What's the rules? <laughs> um, there, there are pretty much no rules to the candy cane look-off. We Nobody. provide, um, uh, you know, some of those oversized candy canes. Those. And we have about four or five people on stage trying to prove their licking skills to the crowd. Um, Does it break the rules if you just bite it off? People have tried. People have done that. People have bitten it off and spat it into the audience. People have, people have deep throated it. Like seriously, the whole thing has gone down, and you're like, "Wow, you have no you gag be a reflex sword at swallower. all." <laughs> right, exactly. And then there are people who have deep throated it and look like they're about to vomit. Like you know that moment where they're like, <laughs> and you're like, "Stop it! Stop it! Don't vomit on stage. That would be that would ruin the vibe of the lick off." Um. <laughs> That's what I need is some oversized candy canes. Yeah, yeah. The, Send them my way. Thank you. The, fest- the Festivus <laughs> is going to be super fun, but it will sell out too. So get your tickets in advance. Kinkysalon.com. Because um, it always sells out. Right. I mean, we're the, the venue that we are in right now is smaller than our previous venue. So we have a limitation on the amount of people we can have in the space. And um, it's a lot less than it was. So we sell out pretty fast pretty much every event because um, because... We don't have a big enough space, but we're looking for a new space. And when we find a new space, it'll hopefully be about twice the size of the one that we're in now. Mm. Okay, so <laughs> we'd stick on the uh, the fun subject, but uh, kinky games. Let's talk about other kinky games to play besides the candy cane lick off. What are fun ways to like fun and inexpensive ways to have kinky fun with <laughs> groups of people or your partner? And go. <laughs> <laughs> Well, <laughs> don't look at me. I like, I like to be the, the puppet. Instig- you're an instigator. Yeah. I'm just like, just play with me. I'll do whatever. <laughs> well, it's like, you know, um, there, I started uh, doing human ping pong several years ago. Oh. Uh, you take and just map out on the floor a 10-foot box and make it a line in the middle and make it a table, like a table tennis. Mm-hmm. You take two people that are your balls. They get uh, their wrists bound together in front of their chest, tight, and they're that tied to their chest, and they're blindfolded. Then you have two players on the outside with paddles, and their job is to push, prod, poke, paddle, maybe punch if it's consented, the balls to get them to move to go across the court. So that way you've got two balls in motion, two players running on the outside, and it's actually a lot of work for the, the, the players because they're jumping around, pushing... And whenever a ball steps out of the box, it's point for the person on the other side. Oh. I know you have more up your sleeve, though. I've heard well, I, I've so a, many. I've taught a class at, King, at Mission Control for Pink, uh. Uh, and as well as other places of fetish games. So. 
Mm. <laughs> I'm kind of known for my games. And... <laughs> I, I sort of, I, I lean on the uh, being like sort of a masochist. I like sadistic games. I really like, enjoy mm. those. I mean, I really try not to get in trouble though. <laughs> like there's this one game that someone played with me where I had to like put like a coin on my nose and like hold it against the wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if it dropped, I would get a spanking. And loving spankings, it's sort of hard for me not to be a brat. But that's always fun. Well, then, then you take that game and it's like, all right, now here's a timer. Oh, no. The law, the law, you get a spanking for every five seconds you hold it. Oh. Hmm. Oh. So now I'm over here blushing, like, <laughs> any kind of this, yeah. Well, I love this idea of playfulness being integrated into sexuality. Yeah. I, love it, yeah. I think that people have taken sex way too, too seriously, seriously mm-hmm. for way too long, and everyone yeah. is always so like dour about it. When you go mm-hmm. to s- regular sex clubs, everybody's so serious. Like they're all like, "Okay, what's going on? And when are we going to get laid?" Um, my friend calls them shark tanks. Oh, you know mm-hmm. exactly. And you're like, Ooh, "Blood in the water, go go yeah, go, go. yeah, mm-hmm. exactly." <laughs> um, <laughs> And um, I really, you know, Kinky Salon, I think, was a real innovator in shifting that. Like, the community itself were the inspiration for it changing. When we first started, it was actually more of a fetish event. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, over time, it shifted. We would, every now and again, we would have a theme. But, like, really, most of the time, it was just a fetish party with leather and latex. And then every now and again, we would have a theme. And we'd be like, wow, these people really love the themes. Everybody dressed up. And there were, like, craft nights that were organized. And, you know, people valued the ridiculous kind of hot glue gunned, um, you know, stuff more than like the expensive store-bought stuff and that was just the community was just that's just what happened and um and so we started to just notice that and my catchphrase was always give the people what they want Mm -hmm. and so when when we noticed that people were really enjoying the themes we were like maybe we should have a theme for every party and we kind of put it out to the community it was back in the day it was before social networking you had to do it word of mouth it was a bulletin board (laughs) we had a bulletin board where we would discuss the community um and uh, before tribe Bef- way before tribe, yeah. yeah, before before any of them, and um, and we would discuss things like, hey, what do you think about us having a theme for every party? And everyone would be like, that would be so great. And then we started doing things like bringing in more beds because originally it was more of a BDSM party. You don't really have that many beds. Yeah. Um, they're mainly you know furniture or even just standing up and cocktails or leaning against a wall and spanking someone or whatever. It's like much more of that stand and pose kind of Mm -hmm. vibe. And then we brought in a couple of beds and they were packed. And we were like, should we bring in more beds? And everyone's like, yeah, we totally need more beds. And we called it the horizontal socializing space. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the, the event transitioned into this super playful and kind of more sensual, colorful, fun party because that was what the community was wanting, you right. know? Yeah. Um, and I, mean, I, love, I love the costuming. You know, the, the, the themes, mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that drew me to yeah, in the first place. In Hawaii, we had kinky mario party like a kinky mario party so everyone dressed up as their favorite nintendo or video game character and got super dirty (laughs) nice yeah there's something about the play space when it's uh people in costume that's just so much more fun Mm -hmm. you know when you see takes you out of your normal character i think it definitely Mm -hmm. does and also there's just an absurdity to it and a beauty in that absurdity that just makes it uh really novel too like it's not just naked people having sex it's like Bert giving Ernie a blowjob you know you're like you can't 
unsee that. <laughs> Kinky camping is also super fun. Like having my first um, mixed, like where I knew someone was getting laid, probably me, was <laughs> we had 20 random tents just like lined up in this huge field and they weren't assigned to anyone. It was They were just there, mm. just ready for like this big play session. Mm. And it was after, you know, I mean, it was just, I was intimidated. Was, was this Hawaii or was this? No, this is in Hawaii, yeah. Hawaii, and then we had another one in North Carolina, which is completely different. Like, they were just totally different fields. Well, that's what you were saying earlier is that, you know, different regions have different approaches to oh, the yeah. kink and stuff completely like that. completely different. I mean, like, I'm from Chicago originally, and I was involved with the kink scene there. I used to host uh, nightclub stuff, and, you know, I lived two blocks away from the Leather Rose Association. And, you know, a lot of the, a lot of seriousness involved. Mm-hmm. I mean... Mm-hmm. I tried to fight that as my, as my you know psycho kittiness because you know when I u- using psycho kitty as a stage name has always been uh, a bit of absurdity because I'm not going for the muy macho alpha male look with psycho kitty very much. <laughs> no, <laughs> psycho kitty is not an alpha male. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, yeah. It's it, I think it is totally different in different cities. In in London. Um, I was really surprised when London was able to do a kinky salon. London has one of our biggest and most successful kinky salons. It's having its five-year anniversary um, in in March. And uh, I never thought that London would be able to do it because I just thought that they were too... Um, they took themselves too seriously, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. But the London kinky salon, it's, it's almost more, it's like a purer manifestation of kinky salon. It's so mm-hmm. ridiculous. They're so ridiculous. And mm-hmm. they take their ridiculousness so seriously. Some of the even- that it becomes... <laughs> yeah, I'd, love, I'd love to see what, like, a Japanese kinky salon would look like. Yeah, that's an interesting... Oh, like, I bet you that's serious. Because I know that I get a lot of emails, like, on FetLife and stuff, and the way that people approach me... You know, people from the UK, like dominants from the UK, are so different from dominants from the United States. Like the way that they approach me in that in that way, mm-hmm. I'm almost intimidated sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, whoa! Like, there's all this, uh, you know, spell check and protocol, and I'm like, whoa! Just say, hey, what's up, Maru? <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> it's just um, so different. Yeah, people that jump straight into protocol and introductions. Ooh. Yeah, you don't even know me. Yes. <laughs> I did not consent to your protocols yet, sir. I know, exactly. You will call me master at the end of this email. And I'm like, and I'll ah, call you goodbye. I will call you blocked. <laughs> Thank you, sir, blocked. <laughs> <laughs> sir, blocked a lot. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you can oh, tell it's, it's an English person said sir. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lord. Lord uh, something. I don't even know. <laughs> so I'm just realizing um, I, I, I did say we were going to talk a little bit more about the Superstorm right now because you could hear it beautifully. Instead of the normal sound of espresso being made, we have the lovely patter of the much needed water to San Francisco and the Bay Area and California in general. Um, so Yeah, we, San Francisco is completely freaking out right now. It's like the entire city and neighboring districts have like it's like rain apocalypse. And it to me it seems like a quite a light uh rain. I mean, there's it's consistent and there's a lot of it. 
you know, like, it, but it but also, it's not it's not bucketing down. Yeah. it's just raining. It's just raining. Yeah, it's not like I was in New York the other day and the rain was horizontal, and so umbrellas were just completely useless. They were completely useless. Here, an umbrella will keep you pretty dry. Although I've been told that there's some winds, but they're not happening actually in the city. But yeah, every single uh, every single traffic light on South Van Ness was out. So it was kind of a bit chaotic getting here. And um, lots of floods. And yeah, I guess it's just because, you know, we're really ill-equipped, clearly, because we've been in a massive drought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the thing that's been making me laugh, giggling to myself, is that for the last 13 years of um, having the space at Mission Control, every time there was a big rain, it always had to rush home because um, there was uh, flooding on the light wells, really bad flooding every time. And every time it rains, I can't help but be like, oh, got to go clear the light wells at Mission Control. I mean, I've been doing it for 13 years. Mm, and so now I'm like, oh, and then I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> not only do I not have to clean the light wells, but some startup dudes are going to be out there soaking wet, like trying to figure it out with the water leaking to the Western store below. And they, and they can have no idea what the- they can be yelled at now. Yeah. That, they don't even know how responsible I was with that and my sump pump. <laughs> So how much how much more time do we have? Oh, we got plenty of time. We do. Uh, yeah, don't. So fifteen minutes then. Oh yeah, yeah like I said, plenty of time. <laughs> so we do, I do have a question. I did, actually, that I just got sent. A, funny. I just got a text from my mother going. My mother's in Arkansas. Have you washed away? <laughs> <laughs> so I have a question about from someone um, anonymously. It's a long question, so I'm just going to read it like the way. Or I'm like paraphrase. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He is a straight male, completely straight, but feels more sexually attracted to lesbians. How do you, how would someone deal with that? Oh, God. Like, um, you know, that's an interesting question. I definitely have an attraction to gay men too, but I would yeah. say bisexual men because otherwise yeah. it's completely fruitless. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's. <laughs> Are you sure about the fruitlessness of it? Right. But um, bum, Thank right? you. We're here all week. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're going you're gonna to run into some problems if you're attracted to people that aren't attracted to you. Yeah. And I think that um, that's setting yourself up. Mm-hmm. a little bit maybe look at why you might only be attracted to people who aren't attracted to you do you That's- think it's like the safety like you feel like you'll never get let down right. if you can never be in a relationship I mean, with is someone it, is it something that that's something about them or something about yeah. you that's bringing you to this attraction exactly. yeah well I, uh, yeah i know that me personally i went through a phase where i was only into like strictly gay men i mean i would never approach them but i know that i was more sexually attracted and emotionally attracted to like big bear lumberjack leather daddies <laughs> you know that i mean i still have that phase i'm still in that phase now where i'm like dang if only if i was a yeah, man yeah my gaydar totally- my gaydar is quite simple are you hot yes <laughs> are you hot th- then then you're like- probably gay <laughs> yeah. it's um it's Aww. a thing it's a thing that i have too and um i don't know what the inner psychology of it is um i know that i really like watching men play and oh, yeah. also being the creamy filling in a bye boy sandwich it's pretty much my oh, favorite my place God. to be that is like a dream um so the, you know an interesting thing about um sexual identity is that it's actually a relatively recent phenomena yeah. the concept of being gay isn't something that existed a hundred years ago previously you were in a gay relationship mm-hmm. so you didn't identify as gay you were in a gay relationship if you had a gay relationship yeah. but once that relationship was over you weren't identified as gay so this is like a relatively recent phenomena um and so the question is are you attracted to um the idea and the and being around women being together sexually Mm -hmm. 
or are you attracted to the kind of stereotypical kind of book butch dyke mm-hmm. lesbian image um so i think they're two really different things yeah yeah I mean, you can find, uh, you know, s- women who are bi or straight or who might want to have sex with you who mm-hmm. have that image because whatever, it's just, an, it's just, it's a, just a way of image, dressing yeah. and yep. put, like it's not, it's not necessarily related to your sexuality. Um, and then there also might be women who are, you know, bi and wanting to hang out even though, you know, it's, it's, it's a complicated issue, I think. I was watching um, this online youtube show and someone made a statement that sort of made my ears twitch a little bit but i didn't know i just wanted to relay it she said that no one ever can be 100 percent straight or 100 percent gay so what do you guys feel about that oh uh, i just i think everybody is everybody i yeah, don't exactly. think anybody so, yeah. can possibly make a statement about what somebody else is mm-hmm. um and i think that there's a lot of scientific evidence to prove that um you know for example gay men aren't attracted to the pheromones of women yeah. and, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think that's scientifically accurate at yeah, all. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot more variety. I think the majority mm-hmm. of people are bisexual, have some kind of bisexual um, Interest. y- interests. Yeah. Um, and, but but I, I, I don't... I just, I just didn't understand that question, Ed. She has... She's one of those uh, webcast people that have, you know, millions of followers. So to say something like that on air, I'm just like, whoa... Like to, to declare like well, that no one can be completely straight or it's well, just sort also, of you know, that could be a, you know like you're, they're making a very solid statement yeah could be just for the sake of making the statement and see what falls from it mm-hmm. I mean she knew that she would get a lot of heat from that right she said it after I'm probably going to get a lot of heat but I don't feel that like anyone can be completely whatever I mean I personally don't label myself as anything if I like you I don't care what you look right. I'm going to go for it what well that's because you're bisexual <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm like so I there care. was this um, when I was on stage on bo- at Body Storytelling again Dan Savage famous columnist oh yeah um, was doing a story as well and he was actually doing a story about when he lost his virginity and he had this great description as he was talking about it because he's like a gay man he's a gay man mm-hmm. he is not attracted to women and um, he was but he tried really hard I mean that's the thing that you can't forget is that there are people who really feel incredibly ashamed and and the society doesn't allow them to be themselves we live in a bubble in san francisco it's not Mm -hmm. like that in most of the world you aren't accepted for being if if you if you if you're gay you know Mm -hmm. so he worked really hard to try and be straight he was like i'm gonna try and prove it and um he talks about when he lost his virginity to a woman and he was like i'm gonna do this thing i'm gonna see how it works i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna learn to love it and then he described it as when he put his hand in her in her shorts (laughs) (laughs) he described it as putting a hand into cold lasagna no warm lasagna sideways and then he paused Right? Isn't that a beautiful image with the layers of lasagna? You can just imagine sliding your hand into that lasagna. And everyone in the audience at that point, or you know, 90% of the bi- crazy bisexual freaks of San Francisco all went, oh, I quite like lasagna. <laughs> I mean, that's and then, my favorite food. But, but then he paused and said, with hair. Uh, and everyone was like, eh. <laughs> And so, like, I, I don't think you can underestimate just how, like, repulsive gay, gay people find the opposite genitalia. Yeah, people yeah. find yeah. The, the unattractive gen- genitalia. Yeah, exactly. Because, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that 
you that could be said in either gender in any uh, any combination. Any combination. Yeah, you, know, you drop that off and it's like, ooh, you know, it's like, I, I have one and I still don't like another. You know, like I don't know. I know that for me, like I used to say that I was pansexual or whatever, but I've been Sex sort of pans? like I've been like really battling that because I know that my what I usually go for and I've never really strayed is with men. I love like the typical alpha leather daddy hairy mm-hmm. man man like i don't think i mean i've tried to date Lumberjack. other men like like little skinny petite boys and i'm just like no this doesn't work for me and with women i like feminine women you know like mm-hmm. i've i've like i said i've attempted to date like women just for being awesome personalities but as far as like physical attraction i'm like eh, it's just not there you know <laughs> so i just say i'm bisexual that's like, why just... that's why i think it's interesting the idea of labeling the relationship rather yeah. than yeah. rather yeah. than yourself because mm-hmm. i have difficulty with that too mm-hmm. mainly because it changes yeah so i can't possibly label myself in fact i really love annie sprinkles um definition which is metamorphosexual mm-hmm. the only defining factor of a metamorphosexual is that they will change yeah and mm-hmm. i really like that just mm-hmm. as a as a concept yeah i just think it really all depends for me i mean i i i can say that i'm definitely open-minded to my mind changing which it does i mean it has yeah it's definitely it's all all about the chemistry of the person and then has anything to do with oh yeah and and also there is a certain amount of i mean all of this is completely unproven scientifically but from my experience there is a certain amount of just like pheromones or like something just with a particular type of person um, that's beyond just uh, intellectual, Mm -hmm. you know, it's beyond just being shallow and thinking about it. It's like an actual physical reaction that you have. Like you can see someone who's like the the awesomest person in the world and who would actually be your perfect, but who you just don't kind of have that for exactly. and then you can then see someone who's a complete yeah. asshole who you yeah. hate who you're like god that's so fucking hot though exactly right? <laughs> and, and I, I think that's the problem these days is because i have been hit on by men who are like yeah they may be the sweetest guy ever but they're not sexually what i'm attracted to and then they want to get mad at you for not being sexually attracted to them and i'm like what well that's just pathetic yeah like really grow <laughs> up are you serious I mean, it's, I mean, things just evolve all the time. I know when I joined the fetish community, I came in completely submissive and things definitely change. And there's also the the thing is that what we're being fed every day by all of the songs and all of the movies, Mm -hmm. cultural programming says, if you're nice and if you do the right things in life, you will be rewarded with love. And so there are people, I mean, particularly, particularly men, he he gets the girl at the end of the movie. um, And so there are guys out there, uh, you know, a lot of guys who this is what they're raised on. It's not really, it's not like, it's not like it's their fault. Yeah. It's just programming that they're, that they're just told like, and they, they act nice and they do all the things that they're supposed to do and they, and they don't find love. Mm-hmm. And then they get angry about it because they're entitled because they're like, Hey, I did all the things I was supposed to do. You know, I took you out. I did all the things and now you're not going to reward me with this love that I've been told I deserve by culture. Yeah. So, um, so you know this this stuff is really complicated mm-hmm. issues, and, and mix, I, mm-hmm. mix that with the instant gratification, fast reward, fast like you know return time, you know with the social media and things are now. So that way, instead of like you know the ten twenty years ago when it was like you know protracted dating, now it's it is microcosmed into a little exchange. Like you know, I'm being nice to you. Like on Tinder, yeah. when people are all like, hey, how's it going? And you're like, oh, I'm kind of busy. And they're like, 
fuck off, bitch. <laughs> and you're like, that. wow, we just did that so fast. <laughs> it's just uptight, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> I get a lot of that because I do. Uh, I've been spending a lot of time at home, and I do like a lot of online, like role play and stuff like that. And I get a lot of like the people who just hide behind their their anger, like, yeah. oh, you don't like me, fuck you. Oh, yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> uh, Internet and and anonymity. Yes, that's the word. Anonymities in the sea. Anonymity. Yes. Yeah, it does bring out a a a, a, a bad a bad side in people. It's mm-hmm. true, and it's funny because anonymity allows us sometimes to say things that we wouldn't say otherwise, yeah. and I do appreciate it sometimes for mm-hmm. that. But then it also because it, it does give you some courage to say some things that should be said. Yeah. Right. Like like an anonymous suggestion box, for yeah, example, is a yeah. great way to get good feedback about stuff. But at the end of the day, it's also just it's it's just a place that trolls just mm-hmm. can basically without accountability that you can just express yourself. I think part of like being in human and being human and being in culture and being in society around other people is like you say things and then you see their face yep. and you made them sad mm-hmm. and human beings are designed to be empathic we're yeah. super empathic we're yeah. like really a lot of our motivation is from um you know t- other influences from external influences from other people and so when we see that face when we see we've made someone sad we feel it ourselves mm-hmm. you know we have these mirror neurons where we basically experience the same sadness that they experience and so being around each other and seeing each other can really bring out that empathic and understanding side in people and then when you're on the internet or in any other environment where you're anonymous um disconnected that that's mm-hmm. disconnected and so you no longer have this empathy and so it's this kind of like twisted version of humanity that I don't think is actually accurate yeah, I don't think yeah. people are mean like that mm-hmm. I think if they could see the faces yeah. like that sh- that I don't know if you know about that website called secret Oh, where people like say secrets or whatever. And yeah, 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 and it basically shows to like your Facebook friends or something. I don't mm. even really know how it works, but it's a it's a, like an anonymous forum basically. Yeah. And there was this one person who posted this thing about Kinky Salon, and at the beginning it was kind of a you know uh, uh, interesting conversation about feeling disconnected, mm. um, and then ha- like halfway through the conversation, it just it su- suddenly someone was like. I don't. I can't believe we got this far talking about Kinky Salon without mentioning that Polly is a cunt. <gasps> and then it just degenerated into this like awful, like this troll fest. People were just being so mean about me, and it was. It, someone forwarded it to me. I don't know why they forwarded it to me. I'm like, why do I want to see that? I don't. I don't want to see that. Yeah. Why would they? <laughs> but I guess it was. It's kind of gossipy, and it's like, oh, Polly, look, people are saying mean things, no. whatever. But it was. Get him. So, Get him, Polly. Get him. It was so hurtful mm-hmm. you know and I was just like wow you guys like really like I understand that sometimes you know I can be aloof at events often yeah. because like I'm working and I have something to do and mm-hmm. you're drunk and in my way and I'm yeah. sorry if I don't you know and I know that like over the years particularly a in previous years when I was struggling and having real difficulty and mission control was hosting events every single weekend and it was in my home and Mm. like the stress just got so much and I know that I've upset a lot of people I know that some people think I'm a bitch and I'm okay with that but I think that if like if if they're not going to say it to my face you know like if they're if they're going to just use this forum of like this anonymous trolling Mm. website to like take pot shots at me from the sidelines it's um 
it's a little uh it's a little much you know yeah i mean i feel though that with all things oh yeah finish your thought finish your thought I think that with all things, even if it is anonymous, I mean, I believe that even if I'm online, the way that I carry myself will come back to me sooner or later. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think it just goes to show like the integrity of communication. You know, it's like if you're an integrity in your communication, then you're going to be having this experience online as well. Yeah. And so I don't I didn't like it it was it wasn't it was hurtful, but it wasn't like I didn't cry or anything. I was like, wow, I think it was because because whoever it was called me something so extreme and was just so blatantly mean Uh that it was like it was kind of funny Mm. i was actually like oh actually (laughs) well uh we've come close to the end of the i don't want to end on this note of talking about me being a cunt though like let's let's end on a happier note (laughs) we could say that you're like the best cunt ever Let's talk about the word cunt. Let's break that That's down. A pretty word, actually. I think it's I a beautiful word. word. Historically, it's um, it's been used uh, as a way to revere uh, female sexuality. Oh yeah. And so let's flip that around and say, um, I, you know, I, I put a post on on Facebook the other day saying, "What do you call your?" or your lover's vagina during sex? Such an interesting question because there really aren't that many options. Everyone says pussy, right? It totally is. Everyone says pussy. And then they were coming up with these hilarious suggestions. The vajayjay was (laughs) another common one. Um, But then people were just like, oh, you're talking about Betsy? (laughs) (laughs) Wow, I guess I am talking about (laughs) Betsy. Like some people had really specific (laughs) names and and a lot of people surprisingly were saying um, that they really liked the word cunt. I love that, that they're word. like, yeah, to use the word cunt in sex because yeah. it's hot and mm-hmm. dirty and it has all these cultural it's connotations. Nice it's my too. favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. I'm over here like hating myself. <laughs> we made, have we made you blush again? Oh, yes. <laughs> in fact, though. the other day when my mom was on the show <laughs> with me, uh, g- g- seriously, I'm going to go from cunt to my mom just like that. <laughs> um, she, she was on this uh, book launch party with me. And I brought her up on stage. And one of the things that she said immediately, talking about being a sex therapist in the 70s, was that she, um, she was changing the language around sex and the way that people talked about sex. And she said on stage in her opening sentence, because if you can't say... And my mother is a very well-spoken British woman, mm. by the way. She said, because if you can't say words like fuck and cunt in front of your lover, then you're not going to have very good sex. And everyone was like, <laughs> yay! Polly's mom! Of course, that's Polly's mom. My, my mom said cunt on stage within like 30 seconds it was awesome (laughs) (laughs) I love this conversation (laughs) so uh where can we find you in, in your book and Kinky Salon and you know tell us where to find you okay well um, my book is available everywhere like anywhere that you want to type it into the internet you can get it from Barnes and Noble or Amazon or directly from my website at polysuperstar.com poly um, this podcast is actually part of a virtual book tour that I'm doing right now which is over the next 10 days we're in day 2 of it and um, over the next 10 days we're doing all this crazy stuff talking about the book in all these different blogs and podcasts Today we had um, Kitty Striker doing a podcast. Yesterday we had no, a yes. Just to say, no, Kitty Striker was the reason why I first went to Mission Control. Oh, for that's great. Whippersnapper party. I had friends of mine from Chicago that live here that said, "Oh, let's go to this kink party," and then they wound up bailing. And I went, you know, like just moved into San Francisco, didn't know anyone, volunteered, 
Oh, perfect. Yay. Oh, that's so great. I love that Mission Control was your entry to San Francisco. So, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff happening over the next 10 days, um, ending with Margaret Cho, who's like my new best friend, because um, she loves my book so much. She wants to support Yay. putting it out in the world. And she's amazing. I mean, God, talk about like a, uh, someone who has done a lot for bisexual, mm-hmm. pervert mm-hmm. pride. Like there's no other celebrity that talks about being a bisexual pervert as much as um as margaret cho demystifying um demystifying that particular corner of sexuality (laughs) so i love margaret and um she's going to be rounding up the tour on december 20th which is also the first day the day of uh of kinky salon too so lots happening in the next week you're gonna be a busy one yeah and it's all on polysuperstar.com that's polly with two l's i was born polly i don't call myself (laughs) polly because uh of my polyamorous tendencies i was actually born polly with two l's so polly superstar and kinkysalon.com is where you find kinky salon throughout the world um yeah throughout the world exactly uh see if there's one in a town near you (laughs) <laughs> well, thank you so much for sitting down with us. Yeah, today. it was and, such a pleasure. And, and bearing, you know, swim, the swim over. <laughs> yeah, kayaked. I kayaked all the way here. <laughs> Are we going to be taking about a ten-minute pause and then moving forward to? Yeah. yeah. So we'll be back. Me and Psycho Kitty. We have but, a little. We have a little bit of podcast business. Yeah. But thank you so much for joining us. Yay! It thank was you. Great. It was really great. So we're back on for a little bit of uh, podcast business. Uh, now that Polly has left and gone to her, her next set, um, there's. This has been your last in in San Francisco for regular podcast with us, Rue. I know it's so sad. You're like you you like get us all in love with you, and then you run off to the East Coast. But but we have plans, and these plans are going to be awesome. And you know the. I have to say, you know, I was talking earlier in this episode about the whole San Francisco Fraggle Rock analogy, and that really got sparked from me thinking, calling you uncle, our Uncle Traveling Max. Exactly. It's going to be so great. I have so many things planned. Um, what we're going to be doing is um, I'm going to have my own sideshow for Wicked Grounds, and um, every month I'm going to be going to a different kink venue on the East Coast, whether it be like a small group or a big convention and I'm going to be running a podcast there interviewing people all over the East coast. So some of the have, things that we yeah. have recorded will travel reads card of a roof. I'm going to get like this little uniform, you know, so I'm like, I don't even know, <laughs> but I know that the two big ones I have planned now are for July and August when it comes to Anthrocon, which is like this really big furry convention. I'll be doing a lot of stuff there in my little furry it's outfit. Safe. It's going to be awesome. I'm, I'll just wear like some kind of gas mask underneath <laughs> my, my little furry head. Um, and then, shortly following that i'll be going to BronyCon, which is like the my little pony fandom convention so i'll get like excited about the the brony i'm so excited for brony con there's nothing more exciting for me than having like masculine men completely comfortable in their sexuality and watching my little pony (laughs) i don't know what it is it's just so comforting to me to know that people are confident if they're in a lumberjack outfit even better if they're a lumberjack pony i will go for them (laughs) I will totally go for them. Rubate. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of rubate, actually. <laughs> I have a long list of things to get me. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's going to be great. I know that my first, I'm going to be taking um, January off so I can get settled into Ohio. And then in February, I'll be going to a Cleveland kink event. Okay. So, Cleveland, I'm coming for you. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> 
<laughs> so it'll be great. I'm super excited. And should, I, uh, definitely uh, look into Dark Odyssey and check out some of their events. They have a camping event uh, over, like a summer camping event that's supposed to be really good. I've been, I've been wanting to go to it for years. I just <clears throat> haven't been able to get out of san francisco in the little bubble so if you guys have any suggestions over um where to send rude where to send me because i will be there um i definitely i would love to see you guys at anthrocon i would love to see people at BronyCon. if you have any other parties or uh specific kingsters or activists that you would like me to meet up with just shoot me like an email at wickedgroundspodcast at gmail.net or gmail.com gmail.com uh gmail.com brand news banking email (laughs) yes and we will get back to you and i will just get on my little merry way um i'm super it's sad for me to leave san francisco because it's such a beautiful place but i feel like like at this point in my life and uh with how confident i am in my in myself as like a rue kinky mm-hmm. whatever i feel like it'd be good in ohio you know i yeah, feel like that's you, the type of place that needs to be like ruified i just feel like it needs to have some doors opened and i know that i have like the tolerance and the love to do that you know to be yeah. able to take it in- instead of you know living and celebrating in the little bubble you're gonna try and take the bubble yes i'm like glenda <laughs> <laughs> like I'm just gonna get this this flogger, right? I'm gonna stand in this dark black bubble. I'm gonna a float over. Star <laughs> yes, snack, I'm gonna float snack. over to Ohio and just be like, just you know, it'll be fine. And you know, I, I'm I am sure that there are wonderful king communities out there that just don't have the same, um, you know, support community support bubble that San Francisco has. But you know, St. Louis has Shameless Grounds, which is a yeah. similar concept coffee shop to wicked grounds <laughs> so right now we have a little cat listening to our podcast uh, yeah the uh john has tagged out and uh has it we have a new audio engineer for this segment oh john what's what's the cat's name again pearl pearl <clears throat> right. so I'm post, I'm post <laughs> i guess like to just like sort of end my we will. I will be coming back. Yeah, you'll like, come visit San Francisco. We will we'll be doing like a, a, an annual meetup uh, with Psycho Kitty and I. Yeah, we'll just be doing like this huge podcast meetup. And I know that our sound engineer may come with me to Anthrocon, which would be awesome. So um, I do want to close the pot, like my last little outro with saying like how much I appreciate San Francisco. And I feel like the community as a whole owes it to each other and to like new kinksters and people who don't have what we have to like spread it out Mm -hmm. and to make it acceptable and force that, that wall down. Um, which is what I want to do is, is just really make it acceptance. Acceptance is, it's just plain acceptance. It doesn't matter what it is. Kinky outreach. Exactly. Um, this is important. I'm getting like choked up right now, but it's okay. It'll be okay. It'll it'll be fine. It'll be good. It'll just be a new, a new segment. Yeah, we have a... Uh, you, know what, you know what this means is there'll be more Wicked Grounds podcasts. More Wicked Grounds podcasts. I'll still be doing the two from the shop mm-hmm. every month. Mm-hmm. But now we'll have Uncle Traveling Rue. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I could be an uncle. Yeah. I'm a sexy uncle. Yes. Okay. All right. So we'll just end with that. Yeah. And I will see you guys in January. No, sorry. February will be my first returning podcast. And we will be recording... Uh, the next normal podcast on the 26th of December. And I think uh, we have Charlie Glickman joining Woo-hoo! us this time. And on that, 
We will see you. We'll keep the coffee warm. Toodaloo. Talk to you soon.